Where, what are the elements that build someone's resilience? Right, and so this wasn't done by just any random soldiers, done by psychologists and, and doctors, etc. So there's a lot of good academic backing to the model I'm going to talk to now. Hello, how are we doing? Welcome to the Delta Pod. This is an episode it's close to my heart, something that I um, really, I, we spend a lot of time at Outliers, which is a business, business I run, thinking about talking about and helping our clients with, which is mental resilience. Why do we care about resilience? I think it's spoken about quite a bit and mental health is one thing which we've spoken about quite a bit. But what is resilience and why do we care about it? And hopefully that's where we're going to go and understand a bit more about that in this episode. But the driver, I think, the reason I think it's important to talk about mental resilience and how it's, it's different to mental health, right? Mental resilience is important because in everything we do, everywhere we go in life as humans, there's some level of performance. We are performing against something. There's always... It's almost adver- adversarial in nature, life. Life is adversarial in nature. And there's things coming against us. And we need to be able to move forward and progress despite that. Right? It's constant interference and friction with our potential, is, is what I would say. So you're moving forward in life and it's, it's never going to be an easy journey. There's always things you're going to have to do. There's going to be resilience you have to apply to be able to move forward and re- see your goals. So that's why it's important, right? And I think moving forward and realising goals, but equally just being happy in life is going to require some level of resilience. And so that's where we're getting into this. And and we've got a model which I'm going to go through and that's informed by some studies which I'll talk about. Um, And this episode, like all these episodes, is accompanied with a blog on deltapodblog.com. Um, and now I'm going to talk about a graphic, I'm going to talk about a bit of a model we use, and that's that has a very visual nature to it. It's designed to be like five-year-old level simplicity, so that it lands in people's heads. And we, when we get great feedback about this model, because when we go back after like months and months of not being with a client, we ask them, well, what can you remember from our last sessions? They always remember this model. It's, there'll always be some level of this model which has been applicable to their life that they've had, they've been able to leverage and utilise to implement all this good stuff, right? And you have academia, right? You have knowledge, but landing that knowledge in action is not that easy. And so that's where I, I think we try and simplify things. We try and use models and graphics and cartoons and analogies and stories to land things in people's lives. And so, yes, everything we do and a lot of what I talk about on this podcast is based on some level of theory, but I don't want to just hit you with all this theory and like read this book and it didn't, isn't this quote interesting? What's really important is that we can land it in the practicalities of our life that you can become aware as a result of some of this academia, right? And yes, we want scientific rigor to things, but equally we want to allow ourselves to discover things. We want to allow ourselves to define things for ourselves and really own our own journey. So further, my life, let's start there. So if I look, I'm very privileged in my life to um, obviously have, have, have had a bit of a rocky road. I, and I've, I've not, it's not been plain sailing in that if I look, um, I don't want to go through my entire life story, but the way we, the way we talk to this and the way when we do run mental resiliency sessions and we help, we help teams understand and managers and leaders understand the importance of resilience is we start with our stories, right? And, and in order to understand someone's level of resilience, you need to understand them understand their identity and their personality and the foundations of their resilience um, as we get into the model I'll explain that a bit more so to understand a bit about me I was brought up in a good family parents together um, both teachers so very kind of like bottom end of the middle class world 
Um, didn't didn't want for lots as a kid, but equally, don't remember ever having a new new pair of football boots or anything like that. It was always like hand me downs or second hand stuff. I remember actually the first pop set of football boots I had were like three sizes too big for me. I remember trying to play football and it didn't work. But so there was some level of need, but equally there was lots of love. And, and skip forward lots of years too. I'm 18. I in the military, I get deployed. I deployed to Iraq, and that's the start of my military, military military career. So I spend about almost 13 years in the British Army, do multiple tours of Iraq, multiple tours of Afghanistan, get blown up a load of times, have a load of uh, some other interesting medical stuff which is related to getting blown up, meet a woman, have kids, get domestically abused, get horrendously physically assaulted, get divorced, and just so there's this whole world of what I would call drama that I've, I've navigated throughout my life um, I'm now 36 solo parent two kids and so life is still crazy and busy but equally I think I'm at potentially at my most resilient because I've been through everything and I've, I've absorbed it I've dealt with it and I understand and I'm aware of when I'm resilient when I'm not resilient and this model which I'll talk to now is a real key thing in that interesting side note this is the second time I've started recording this episode so the nature of resilience is just keep going. Just keep going. Last time, my computer stopped and it just just had it had a meltdown and so we lost everything. So um, resilience is moving forward in the face of resistance or interference. Or, yeah, the, the movement forward against the forces that come against us is how I would define resilience. So we have this model, I've spoke to it. Now this model is based upon, not entirely, but, but is informed by a really interesting study that the British Army did in their infantry training centre which is where all, all the infantry recruits go and they were looking at soldiers who were successful soldiers who were perhaps didn't weren't so successful and they said what's going on here where, what are the elements that build someone's resilience right and so this wasn't done by just any random soldiers done by psychologists and, and doctors etc so there's a lot of good academic backing to the model I'm going to talk to now and the way we've taken that, those they kind of identify these these various pillars of mental resilience. We've taken that and we've put it into a cartoon. Think of it like a cartoon. And in that cartoon, I just want you to like, perhaps close your eyes, think about this. And if you're watching this on YouTube, there'll be a little graphic of it now. But I want you to imagine there's a big ravine, big ravine, and then across the big ravine is a railway, railway bridge. And propping up this bridge, there are seven pillars that prop up this railway bridge. And at the bottom of the ravine, there's the foundations of those pillars which are propping up the bridge, the railway bridge. And on the bridge is a train going along the railway tracks. Okay. Now, what's the train? What's the train represent? Let's think about that for a second. The train represents you, right? And the, these railway tracks, they represent your life and where you're going. Um, and so the, you being propped up um, by the pillars on this bridge these pillars represent your resilience. They're the things that are keeping you on the straight and narrow going forward. And as an interesting side note here, and when we look at different definitions of resilience, because resilience is an attribute and it can be applied to technology, right? And the interesting thing, like, so there's a big technology firm called Amazon Web Services. They host Netflix and stuff like that. Um, they view resiliency as the ability for a system to recover from a failure induced by load attacks and failures capability to recover that's an interesting one there right in that in my definition the ability to keep moving forward in the face of resistance 
we're not talking about recovery there necessarily, but recovery is a component here. And it, perhaps I always view, view recovery as a strategy of resilience or, or a, 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 you've got resilience and moving forward, perfectly healthy and fine. And then when something bad happens and we break a leg, well, we can't keep running, right? We have to stop and allow ourselves to recover. But it doesn't mean we stop moving forward, right? We're still moving forward, but we're moving forward with the strategy of recovery to get ourselves back onto the railway tracks. And I'll explain that in the model as we go. So this model, we've got our foundations, our pillars, our railway tracks in the ravine. Um, the foundations are really important. The foundations are what help us understand. The foundations of this model are you, your personality, your learned skills, your experiences in life, that, those things that make up you, the colour that is you, right? And that's, understanding that's really important because there are these, of these seven pillars that I'm going to go through in a second, we will have place different emphasis on different ones depending on the foundations, depending on our personality, our learned skills and our experiences. All those will mean that, well, maybe, I don't feel like in my life, I, I don't really rely so much on social support, which is one of the pillars, as I do on perhaps a sense of purpose, which is another one of the pillars. And so that I, as a manager or a leader or just a parent or just a, even just a good friend, understanding someone will help you understand how they use these pillars and which ones are, uh, are a bit more important than others. So the, the pillars, what are the pillars? There's seven. They are in no particular order, but I like to group them in certain ways and I'll explain that in a second. You've got mental control, emotion regulation, coping, self-efficacy, which is how effective am I, but really perhaps an easier one to understand is self-belief, that's the same one. Sense of purpose, positive affect, and social support. So if we were to go through them and think about them in the, as with the order I gave them, you've got mental control. Mental control, the ability to control thinking, attention, concentration, focus, self-awareness, and problem solving. That, that, that ability to control what's mentally happening in here, basically. Emotion regulation or emotional control is the ability to understand and express my emotions, right? Rather than just reacting to everything with an emotional reaction, how do I control myself and react and respond rather than react? We have coping. It's, as it says, there's, there's a number of coping strategies that we develop as individuals, right? How you coped with something mentally is going to be different than how I cope with something, right? And actually putting ourselves in hard places to develop these strategies is an important thing. If we've had a really easy life, then perhaps we haven't always had such an opportunity to develop coping strategies self-belief or i like self-efficacy i think that's a that's a perhaps a more nuanced version of it but self-belief the confidence in your own abilities and judgment right that's a pillar right let's explore that a little bit when my self-belief comes into damage gets attacked then actually it can be quite catastrophic right and if we look at self-efficacy if i think i should be really good at something and it turns out Say I'm running a race and I'm used to being like the top one, two on the, uh, the pack and I'm, that's where I'm used to being. And for some reason in this race, I'll find myself way back in like 15, 20th place. Well, what comes under attack there is my self-efficacy, my, my belief of myself. Well, I should be up there doing that and what's going on here? And am I, do I have the fight in me to get myself back to the front despite me not being in the usual situation? Or as you'll see, and you see this in sports a lot, will I crumble? Right? You can have a really good team who, as soon as they go behind, they're really rubbish. Right? It's because they're lacking 
or haven't trained the ability to move through and fight against an attack on their self-belief and their self-efficacy. Sense of purpose. Hopefully it's fairly obvious what sense of purpose is, but it's, it's, this is the motivation that drives you forward, right? Our sense of purpose is something that we own. And I think as leaders, perhaps as parents, um, as coaches of sporting teams, I think we can sometimes be arrogant enough to think that we can give someone their purpose. And I you can't, right? It's, it's their internal purpose is really what matters here. And having worked in the corporate world, I think what, what a major element of corporate leadership is how do I help people understand their role and their purpose in the bigger machine, right? Or, am I, or are they just another cog in a the machine? There's no real purpose, right? If we can leverage that, that's when you start to really see gains in performance and also, people just enjoying work, which is, I mean, for me, it's more important than perhaps their performance. Positive affect, which is an interesting one. The ability to interact with life in a positive way, right? Positive affect, so that the, how is what I'm doing positive? For me, it's just optimism. How do I turn up with optimism, right? Everything could be like the house could be burning around me. Well, how do I turn up with optimism? What's the, what's the light I'm seeing rather than the darkness? And one of the things, I suppose, when I was in the military, I was, I was an officer, um, one of the things I'd really come down hard with with the junior leaders in my platoon and those around me, I'd come down really hard when I saw needless pessimism. Really hard because that then destroys morale, it destroys people's real sense of purpose, it removes a positive affect. And I, I didn't have all I didn't know any of this model right then, right? Even though it's developed for the British Army, the British Army has lots of great stuff, but it's not very good at getting people to actually do it. Um a great quote is um the British Army has some of the best doctrine. It's a good job they don't read it. And that was by a German general in the Second World War. And if you're in the army, you, you would have heard that quote hundreds of times. So for me, it just naturally, I do, I'm optimistic. And when I feel pessimistic and I see pessimism, it winds me up. And the last one, social support, which hopefully is fairly obvious, the social network you have and the ways you use it, right? And I don't, I don't really like that. I think, I think, well, I, I, the, the term use it is I need to understand when I need to reach out for support. Right? That's, there's a burden on me to do that. But equally, if my social support and my network around me is good and tight knit, they're going to see me struggling and they're going to come in and help me. Um, and, and I mentioned how that actually, if I understand my, the foundation members, the bottom of this, this cartoon, this, this little model we're using, learned skills, previous experience, personality, depending on who you are, depends on how much emphasis you place on each one of these pillars. And for me, social support is perhaps something I don't necessarily lean that much on. I perhaps should lean more on it, right? So what it means is my train, the weight isn't evenly distributed across all the pillars, right? Some of the pillars are carrying more weight than others. For me, if you took away sense of purpose or even self-efficacy, my, my, my ability to do something well, my beliefs of myself, um, I'm going to crumble, right? You could just take that one out and, and my train crashes. So that's the model. It's in the blog. I've explained it. This is how we can use the model, right? A core part of identifying an attack on our resilience when we're, when we're having to actually use our resilience is when we look at, look at these pillars and there's this concept of frigidity, right? If my coping mechanisms, let's look at that. There might be, imagine the pillars, imagine there's cracks appearing in the pillar, Right, so if I'm struggling to cope with something, if, if I'm getting overwhelmed and the kids are screaming at me and this, that, and the other and a stress at work and all that, and I'm struggling to cope with it, that's frigidity, 
right? And those are cracks appearing in the pillar. And so if I can identify that, I can do something about it. Say, oh, actually, I'm not reacting well to this. I'm not coping well to this, uh, with this. Stop. What can I do? What coping mechanism is going to do? Who can I talk to? And I start to bring in other pillars, right? I can say, well, oh, I can get some social support here and I need to go and read a book about how to cope with stuff, right? I can use this model as an, uh, almost like a arithmetic or an equation to analyse myself, but I can also use it on other people, right? I can help build up other people. If I see my friends struggling and they've just had a big loss or they've just gone through a breakup or they've just lost a business deal, right? Well, their self-belief and their self-efficacy, maybe their sense of purpose is being attacked. I can then come alongside them, being proactive as one of their mates and say, right, let's talk about this. What's going on? There's light in the internal, let's keep going. Encouragement is a superpower, remember that. So this is a model, right? But it's also arithmetic. Use it to help you analyse yourself, but also analyse others. The way we then kind of, there's this thing concept called the resiliency loop, which um, I've developed to help us understand how to use this. So this resiliency loop, it's, so we have our model, we have the pillars, and we have the train on the tracks going across the pillars. If the pillars fail, then the train falls into the bottom of the valley. And in order to get the train back onto the tracks, we'd have to recover. Okay, so resilience is the movement forward in the face of resistance, right? We don't want to fail, really. We want to try and identify fragility, do something about it, so we can continue performing, continue moving forward at a greater rate of knots before we fail and therefore have to recover. But sometimes we fail and sometimes we recover. Example in my life, I ran London Marathon with a sandbag, um, the whole film about it on the channel, go check it out. Um, eight weeks before the marathon, I my left calf... Tore my left calf. It just, I remember this pop. I was playing, so I've played with the kids. Bit of a silly thing, but it popped. So I now have had my physical resilience has been compromised, right? My, I, there has been fragility. Should have identified that and not gone in soft play and run up ninja walls, etc. I've then failed. And now because I failed, I've now got to recover so that I can get back to the level of performance I need to be at. And so resilient, this resiliency loop it goes as follows. I'm performing. I then need to apply resilience to my performance. I then might identify some fragility. If I don't do anything about that, identifying fragility, or if I don't see the fragility, I then fail. There's a failure somewhere. Because of that failure, I then need to recover so that I can move back to my original level of performance and therefore start being resilient again. Resilience in action is a key term here, right? If I, resilience in action is identifying when I'm, under, I'm getting attacked and there is fragility starting to appear in my pillars and then doing something about it so that I can continue to perform, right? So when we look at um, high-level sport, the reason they, have, they are curating their environment to reduce as many interferences and frictions, they'll have sports psychologists, they'll have great food and all this good stuff, is because they are identifying the fact that they're under attack, that actually, if they didn't do anything, they'd be very fragile, and they're trying to remove or reduce the episodes of failure and therefore recovery so that they can continue performing at a higher rate of knots, better than the team and start winning championships, etc. This is taken from, and, and, and this is something which I've developed, um, but it, it, it builds upon something called the OODA loop, which is a way, it's a, it's a mindset around how you fight battles in the army. Um, and so there's a close link between performing, going through life and battle in that there's a, whether we like it or not, there's things coming against us in life, things that don't want you to succeed in life. And sometimes that's just nature. Sometimes that's market forces. Sometimes that's people in your life. Sometimes that it's your own 
internal interferences in your head, right? The stuff which is coming against you. You need to be able to observe those things, orientate yourself on those things, decide what to do, take action against those things, right? And imagine if I'm fighting a battle, I need to be able to observe what the enemy's doing, orientate myself and my troops to him, just make a decision quickly, act. And if I can do that faster than he can do it, I'm going to win a battle. Okay, so we're in a battle, life's a battle. This resiliency loop is our way of analysing our resilience and ensuring we can continue performing at the correct pace that we need to. In the loop, where we say performance, you could almost think about perhaps joy in life, right? To continue enjoying life, I don't want to have to fail. I don't want to fail and I don't want to have to recover, right? I want to continue moving through at my same level of satisfaction, okay? And the key thing there is self-assessing and identifying fragility against those seven pillars. So as I close out, this might be, I think it's a slightly longer episode than normal, um, and I'm going to unpack this, right? I'm going to go into each pillar, etc., in further episodes. But those, the model is we have our foundations. This is you. This is your, the colour that makes you. You have your learnt skills, your previous experience and your personality. Upon that foundation sit seven pillars that are propping up a railway track in the train. You have mental control, emotion regulation, coping, self-efficacy or self-belief, sense of purpose, positive affect, the optimism in the situation, and social support. All those pillars work together to prop up the train track, which is our life, where we're going, and the train, which is you as you move through life. And the objective is to keep the train on the tracks. But occasionally, the pillars will get fragile and fail, and the train may fall off the tracks. That's okay. We have to acknowledge that, and we have to switch into a recovery mindset that I'm going to recover and get myself back on to the train tracks. Okay? And that's what the resiliency loop is all about. I'm going to stop there. I could go on, right? I could go on further, but I'm going to pose a few questions for you to think about. And I want you to, if, you, if you've enjoyed this, please tell, share it. I think this is a real, there's a real utility to this model and thinking about mental resilience in this way. So perhaps read the blog if, if you're not, if you haven't seen it yet, because I impact this a bit more there. What in your life has built your resilience the most? Think about that. Look at over the last 10 years, there'll be what key episodes in your life have have you had to be resilient or even perhaps you might have had to be failed and you've had to recover, right? Where have you developed your, your own resiliency? And another one, right? That's what the first question was about all like me. Second one, when I look at those around me, do I know people well enough to understand when they are being resilient and when they're not being resilient or when they are struggling and when they're not struggling? Or when can I identify the fragility in people's lives? Like let's say you're in a relationship. Do you know your partner well enough to identify when they're perhaps getting a bit more fragile around their emotional control or their coping mechanisms? And can you come around them and support them in that, right? If you don't, that's the foundations, right? Understanding those foundations, understanding the people in our teams or in our lives, those level of foundations, their personalities, what makes them them ultimately is really important. So the root of this is have great relationships, know and really try to understand people and try and be vulnerable and share your life with other people as well hope you enjoyed this as always please like follow drop us a comment if you watch this on youtube and please do go read the blog because the blog is me where i'm slightly more articulate this is me just kind of downloading what is ultimately quite a bit of information um so i hope you enjoyed it all the best see you in the next episode